and welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're having a great evening here as we are underway yet again here in December, a few weeks into the season. Uh, lots to cover tonight. Thanks for joining us. Of course, there's uh, lots of ways you can interact with us. Our audio is a little bit low. We apologize for that, trying to rework our studio constantly as we find little bugs in the systems. Uh, as it were. But nonetheless, we are on the air and rolling here. If you got any questions for us, you can interact with us via Twitter um, and Facebook and email. And those connections at the bottom of your screen, but we'll go through them as well at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's how you can interact with us. We certainly hope you'll take advantage of it uh, along the way. Uh, lots to talk about tonight, especially questions and concerns that we all have about what is going on, uh, or not concerns necessarily, but certainly questions as to what in the world is going on uh, in the men's side of things. Nobody wants to seem to hold on to um, wins or hold on to an undefeated season or, or play like we would expect them to play. So lots of questions to get to there. Uh, and we will certainly try and figure some of these things out as we go along. I had 15 losses in my very first um, top 25 poll. So my preseason top 25 had 15 losses. Uh, the one I just did this week had eight. So that's a marked improvement. But there's going to be a bunch more, as we already witnessed uh, here this week, um, on things. So it, it, this is the, to say this is a, is an easy thing to figure out on the men's side of things would, would is just not not a fair assessment whatsoever. We'll uh, we'll try and get to the bottom of it as much as we can. But you know maybe this is just the reality of men's basketball this year. We're just not going to have any real you know leaders in the pack, as it were. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll really see. Um, uh, could be a hundred things to figure out along the way, and we'll certainly try and do that. Again, if you want to interact with us, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Number one team, Whitewater, in the preseason, they lose to an NAIA number three team. I was told by some that maybe that shouldn't happen. Uh, if you're the number one team in Division Three, you should be winning that game. So I took my number one vote away. Interestingly enough, Augustana goes and loses last night. Um, so that number one vote for me is up for grabs again. Uh, will it go to Amherst for some people? Will it go back to Whitewater for some? Is there somebody else out there who certainly deserves it? I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll try and figure all that out. But again, on the men's side, we're going to have a lot of questions, I think, this year. I just, you know, I joked uh, several times that I'd love to have started my poll at number 10. And I think <laughs> there's a reason for that. I mean, number 10 right now looks good. <laughs> it looks safe. Um, compared to everybody else. So, you know, I, I'm not positive if that's if, if what's really going on uh, in things. But, I mean, just, I mean, take, take for example, last night. Um, it was just, it was, for, for, okay, so we knew number one Whitewater had lost in the preseason. On top of that, number four and number five, Illinois Wesleyan and Williams, Williams way too ranked, by the way, should never have been number five. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. And maybe you could have argued Illinois Wesleyan should have been four, but they lose their openers. Uh, Calvin, Stevens Point, Albertus Magnus, they all lost games to start the season, or at least in the early part of the season. Um, and then Worcester lost. Dickinson lost. Now you've got to follow up just in this week. We've got um, number one, number seven, and number 10 all losing. Um, 
Randolph-Macon lost a second game to Frostburg at their at Randolph-Macon. It's just mind-blowing. Then they come back and they beat Virginia Wesleyan, who moved into the top 10. It's wacky this year, and I think on the men's side, we're going to see a lot of this. Um, and, and, because I just don't think there's a dominating team out there right now that we can all just point to and say, oh, yeah, of course, they're going to be the number one team. They're the... They're the they're my pick to win a national championship. I just don't think it's out there right now. Um, I mean, my top 25 does not look like anybody else's. Usually my top 25 is somewhat close to what a top 25 looks like. Of course, you get near the bottom, you start getting a few extra teams in there that others don't have. But my top 25 is not even close. I think that there's several teams in the top five I don't even have in my top 10. Um, it's, it's fascinating to really look at um this year on the men's side whereas on the women's side things are somewhat stable we've certainly had some surprises there but the number one team has survived the number two team has survived the number two team playing as we speak I, there's a little bit more stability on the women's side to be sure but the men's side it's been it's absolutely been crazy and that's a sign of parity that's also a little bit of a sign i think that the top has come down a little bit not that it's a bad thing i think i think the talent has spread out quite a bit in division three men's basketball and I think that's one of the biggest reasons. So upsets and questions, that's been that's going to be the theme, um, I think, of the year. I think this is the year of the question. Uh, just trying to figure out who's what and where's and how's and, and, and what's going on as, as, as we move through uh, the season. Uh, tonight, we'll talk about upsets and questions. Uh, one of the biggest upsets, Emory losing um, to Piedmont earlier this week. We will talk to Piedmont men's basketball coach Greg Neely about that win and what that means for a program that you may not may not have forgotten, not that far removed from having not even had a season. Remember, Piedmont back in 2012-2013 ended its season after seven games. They shut the program down. This is two years removed from that. Nine and sixteen last year. Now they're three and one to start the year with a big win over Emory. Interesting because the rest of those games aren't exactly world beaters, but they beat Emory. Um, could this be the changing of the tide for a Piedmont group uh, that certainly has a lot of pride um, in them, no pun intended, as they are the Lions? We'll talk to their head coach, Greg Neely, coming up. Number 16 on the women's side, St. Mary's of Minnesota's Mandy Pearson joins us. Team is off to an undefeated start there. Seem like they are now the top of the Mayak on their side of things, certainly garnering a lot of respect. What does that mean for a program not that far removed from struggles themselves. Number two, Amherst GP Gromacki will be joining us uh, on the women's side. They just got done beating Eastern Connecticut um, in a game, and we will talk to him about his uh, Lord Jeffs, and more particularly about the Lord Jeffs, talk about a 100-game home winning streak, which is now 101. That's pretty darn impressive. We'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to number one for now, Augustana, Coach Gray will be on here to, to talk about his team, the tough loss they just took to Central. They've got Whitworth in a week, looming. We'll talk to him about that big game, certainly between two big teams that will probably have number one on the line yet again. And then Ohio Wesleyan off to an awesome 6-0 start. Coach Mike DeWitt will join us. They just got beat, done beating Worcester. Worcester losing two in a row. They, of course, lost two in a row last year uh, as well, but... 
You know, is Ohio Wesleyan maybe a sleeper that nobody was expecting to be as good as they are this year? Promise you, Coach DeWitt's going to downplay his team. That's what he does, but we'll talk to him nonetheless. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots to cover. I appreciate you all uh, enjoying the two weeks off. Of course, we haven't talked since we had the Hoopsville Classic. Uh, if you didn't get a chance, we interviewed all, almost all the head coaches. Unfortunately, we missed out with Bill Brown and Wittenberg. Just a miscommunication on that one. Um, we'll try and get him on maybe later in the season. Of course, Wittenberg started the season 0-4, but got off the snide with their first win after the Hoopsville Classic. Hoopsville Classic was a terrific effort once again. Uh, I want to thank everybody at Stevenson for their efforts. They certainly do a yeoman's job with it. Um, but a terrific uh, event, probably the best weekend we've had of basketball in the three years we've run it. Um, nothing against the other weekends. We've had some great basketball then, too, but this was certainly the best. Seven of the games are 10 points or less. Two of them went into overtime. Really, one of them was only a blowout from the very beginning. The other two games that ended up being more than 10 points kind of got away in the second half. Um, all teams fought to be, you know, to play hard. Um, now Cabrini uh, is 4-0 in the two years they've been there. Catholic is 4-0 in the two years that they have been there. Um, of course, Stevenson with the other best winning percentage at four and two. Um, you know, good team. Chicago, I thought, played very well. Well, not very well. I was impressed with them, though, certainly. Early in the season, you're not going to see the best of teams sometimes. Randolph-Macon played pretty good. Gwyneth Mercy is going to be a sleeper. Watch for them to, to battle with Cabrini for that top slot. Speaking of Cabrini, come out of there looking good, but then lose their next two against Scranton. And I think it was Dickinson. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure it, it was Dickinson. Uh, so Cabrini, you know, we knew we had questions, but I had less questions coming out of the Hoopsville Classic. Now i got more questions about Cabrini. But I think Gwyneth Mercy is your sleeper team coming out of that um, that conference, uh, the, the CSAC. I think in some ways we might see two teams come out of the CSAC, and I think it could be legitimate. Granted, this is early in the season. A lot can take place between now and then. But I think for both, I, I think both teams uh, can come out of that conference. Um, especially if, if the one that's struggling or, or is on the outside looking in wins the conference title, obviously. Um, you know, Purchase struggling. Uh, they lost seven guys to, to injury, including their all-everything guy, uh, 7-3, um, you know, inside presence. They lose him. They lose six other guys. They are not the same team. They're going to struggle this year, but they're going to be back in the conversation when it comes time to uh, announce a Skyline champion. I'm sorry, um, uh, Q, uh, no, Sky. Skyline, yeah, I'm right. Um, they're going to be back in the conversation there. I think they're they're worth keeping an eye on, to be sure. They could still make the NCAA tournament because those young guys are certainly going to figure out what's going on and figure out how to play basketball when they weren't supposed to be more than you know role model or not role models, but role players and reservists. Uh, these guys are going to get in a lot of starting minutes, and we'll see how that affects them. But I think Purchase is going to be a darn good team. Stevenson um, has has a chance to make some waves. They were picked number one in the in the preseason poll by the Commonwealth uh, for a reason. I think I think Widener is going to give them a run for him for that in that conference. But on the flip side of that. I think Stevenson's a good team. They're going to have to figure some things out. Lost to Eastern Connecticut up in Rochester this past weekend. I don't think that's a bad loss for them necessarily. Uh, of course, they came back and won their next one. So I, I think uh, Stevenson's one to watch out for, and they certainly represented themselves well. A uh, tough loss to Chicago on a last-second shot and then couldn't get the response at the buzzer. Um, by the way, crazy finish. Who 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 throws a floater over the top to the big guy when the top clock's running out? That's just incredible. Uh, for Chicago to beat Stevenson in that game. 
Uh, Catholic and Enigma. I, I think Catholic is a very good team when they can put it all together. But if they're struggling like they did against Purchase, uh, they're going to struggle. And of course, you know, they, they already took a loss since then to DeSales. DeSales is a good team, but Catholic needs to beat that DeSales team. DeSales isn't... Um, uh, Catholic can't come into the Hoopsville Classic and walk out happy that they lost to Sales uh, after their next game. Um, I don't think they're happy with how they played against Purchase. Um, they should have put Purchase away, and they didn't. Purchase came back, and it was nip and tuck at the end. Um, but I think Catholic can be a dangerous team. The problem is that conference is going to go through Scranton. Scranton is a much improved team. Um, and I think it's a conference that may not be as competitive as it was last year, but that's a conference that needs to step up, especially in postseason play. So can Catholic get it done during the regular season and move on uh, and give Scranton a run for it, or is Scranton going to kind of have it rest on their shoulders? I don't know. We'll see. Scranton has one loss on the season. It's to surprise Misericordia. Probably be talking to them if they continue winning um, and, and so on and so forth. Other teams at the Hoopsville Classic, we talked about Catholic, we talked about Cabrini, Gwyneth Mercy, of course, Stevenson, Chicago. Mary Harden Baylor, going to go through some tough spots, but I think they're in the end, they're going to be there in the end, uh, battling for the ASC title. Uh, Coach uh, Ken DeWeese says Louisiana College is a team we need to keep an eye on, along with Texas-Dallas. I think the top of the ASC looks pretty good. Bottom of the ASC looks horrible, um, but I think the top of the ASC looks pretty darn good. Um, but Mary Harden Baylor is kind of retooling, rebuilding a little bit. They lost a lot from last year. You saw two very different teams. You saw Mary Harden Baylor um, that played very well against Randolph Macon, forcing an overtime game, and then you saw Mary Harden Baylor that just disappeared um, when they took on uh, in their second game. They just flat out disappeared. So you know we'll see what happens. WPI, you know they keep winning. Got a tough win last night against Tufts. Uh, they're a team that I think can uh, once again have people see an impressive record and wonder what it really means. However, that conference is very tough now. MIT is playing well, though they just lost, certainly, um, in a surprise to, to Mass Boston. Um, but, you know, MIT, Emerson's going to be lurking in that conference. Babson has proven with a win over Bowden that they can't be trifled with. Um, WPI is going to have a battle in their conference, and they came out of the Hoopsville Classic looking pretty darn good. Um, can't knock them necessarily. Uh, I thought they played very good basketball. I think some people there thought they didn't, they weren't as good as they expected. I don't know what people expected from WPI. I certainly didn't expect world beaters. I thought they were a pretty darn good team. I think Randolph making WPI were the top two teams there with Chicago, Stevenson uh, sitting in the second tier there, uh, and others. So I thought it was a, a good, great Hoopsville Classic yet again. Stevenson again uh, hosting that extremely well. I'm extremely thankful for them. Uh, for their efforts, and uh, I thought it was well done. I want to thank everybody who helped us out with that broad through the broadcast. Of course, the Stevenson students who uh, who who run those broadcasts, and of course Frank Rossi, Gordon Mann, uh, Jeff Miller, or Jeff Miller, <laughs> sorry, um, uh, uh, Jeff Gamber for helping me out, and of course uh, we had our new broadcaster Greg Arnold who helped us out as well. So I want to thank everybody for that. Next up is the D3Hoops.com Classic coming up December 28th, 29th, and 30th. Five games on the 28th, five games on the 29th, and four games on the 30th. Pat Coleman and I will be out there. We're looking for the other broadcasters to join us. We're still finalizing a lot of those details, but uh, looking forward to another exciting tournament out there in Las Vegas at the South Point Casino. Of course, between that, uh, non-basketball arena, of course, is the guy, uh, 
uh, Gagliardi and, and Stag Bowl broadcast. Those will be coming up in, in turn. But D3Hoops.com Classic is the next thing up on the docket. And uh, looking forward to that. Going to see some good teams there as well. Hamden, Sydney, Husson on the men's side, who needs to, to maybe prove themselves just a little bit after last year. Last year's very good record, but not great season if you think about who they played. And I don't mean they didn't have a great season. I just mean, you know, ended the way we thought it would end. But they got a good test coming out there. Hamden Sydney will be there. Hanover will be there. These are off the top of my head. Uh, I know there's some others out there I can't remember. Off, uh, but FDU Floor will be out there along with Stevens Point uh, and somebody else on the women's side from Wisconsin. I can't remember. Uh, again, off the top of my head, I mean, there's what? 14 teams coming out there. It's kind of hard to remember them all. So, well, it, it, it'll be a good event and looking forward to it uh, as always. And uh, next Hoopsville Classic, I can tell you this much. We have verbal commitments from two top 10 teams, current top 10 teams. We have a, another verbal commitment or a verbal interest and certainly wants to try and pull it off from another perennial top 10 team and, and, uh, and a national champion. We could have three national champions at the Hoopsville Classic next year if all the ducks align. So that certainly would be something we're looking forward to, and we'll see how it all comes together in the coming days and weeks and months as we head north, head forward. If you want to interact with us, Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, of course on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. Again, our guest coming up today uh, is going to be part of this upsets and questions part of things. Piedmont's Greg Neely will join us, talk about their 3-1 and one start to the season, but more importantly, their win against Emory. Certainly want to give the Lions a lot of credit there. St. Mary's women's basketball coach Mandy Pearson will be on the show. What is the Mayak going to be like this year? Is it going to go through St. Mary's this year? Uh, as as they certainly have reemerged as a power in that conference. Number two, Amherst GP Gromacki will join us on the women's side as well. Of course, Amherst just beat Eastern Connecticut. Talk to him about that. Talk about 101 now, uh, home straight home wins. Um, um, that is a new NCAA record. They beat uh, out the record of UConn of 99. They're now at 101. We'll talk to him about that. Number one, Augustana's Coach Gray will be joining us on the show. Obviously, talk about their loss to Central just the other day, but more importantly, we'll also talk to him about the CCIW, about the newfangled Central region, and what he makes of it now that the WIAC is in there. Um, and, of course, well, how much does that loss really hurt them, or will it? And number 14, Ohio Wesley and Mike DeWitt will join us, the head coach there of the Bishops. Battling Bishops are off to a terrific start on the season as well. It's 6-0 with a big win over Worcester. They've now beaten two top 20 teams. Both of them were top 10 teams when they beat them. We'll talk to Ohio Wesley and Coach Mike DeWitt here coming up on the show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Piedmont men's basketball coach Greg Neely will join us. We'll talk to him about his team. Again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Of course, Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Reminder, we have one more show this month just due to the Gallardi stuff uh, and Stag Bowl efforts. We'll be back on the air next week on Thursday with a live show. Then we'll be taking a break, uh, but we'll be in presence, as it were, in Las Vegas with interviews of coaches and student-athletes while we're out there. And then we will uh, be back on the air January 4th. It's a Sunday, and that starts our Sunday-Thursday schedule. So one more show in the 2014 uh, calendar year, um, and then some, um, some work at the Vegas Classic, of course, and then we'll be back on the air in January. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We'll be back right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. 
Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We are live once again here on in December. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, of course, as well. Plenty of basketball took place between the last time, uh, two weeks ago when we were on the air and now. And we're trying to catch up a little bit. Questions and answers. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to get many answers, but certainly plenty of questions out there with all the upsets that we've been seeing. If you've got questions for us, we'll try and get them answered uh, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Or join us uh, on uh, via email, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Again, Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Um, one of the questions that certainly came out of, of things is Emory uh, is one of those many top 25 teams on the men's side that took a loss uh, this past week. Um, and joining us on the Hoopsville hotline is the head coach of the team that beat them. And Coach uh, Greg Neely joins us. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, I, I got to ask, first and foremost, that's a huge win for a team that's really, really young. That was a great one for us. And we have such respect for Coach Zimmerman and Emory. I think as we try to build our program, they're one that we are trying to model ourselves after, just with how they play and how they act and, and how they prepare and all those kind of things. But I told our guys it was just so great for them to get rewarded because they've done everything we've asked them to do. They do it as hard as they possibly can. And for them to get rewarded, you know, in what was a great atmosphere on our campus against a really good team, um, hopefully, you know, validates that all their hard work's been worth it and, and gives them some confidence and, and you know, just, just – you know, reassures that we're on the right track as a program. Yeah, this is a, a, a program that wasn't that far removed um, from not existing. I mean, we're talking not even two seasons or two years ago, the team was stopped after seven games. 
um, ended for the season, kind of things restarted. You come in as the head coach. Um, you really had to start from the ground up. This is a big win this quickly uh, after that. No, no doubt about it. You know, and, and I think, you know, for our guys, when we recruited them after the season was canceled, I mean, we, we really asked them to take a chance on us. You know, we couldn't walk them in there and show them a bunch of banners or, or anything like that. And, and those guys took a leap of faith and, and believed in us. And I was able to retain, you know, the assistant from the previous staff, Mike Floyd, who kind of held everything together and, and was great in helping us finish that recruiting class. And, and those guys, you know, took a chance on us. And, and, it, and it's paying off for them. And, and I think most importantly for us is that we have a group of guys that represent Piedmont the right way. And, and I think, you know, when we took over, it wasn't just about us winning games. We wanted to win games and have guys – you know, that walked into Walmart with a Piedmont shirt and, and acted right and represented the school the right way and go to class and have a great GPA and what Division Three is all about. And so, um, I mean, we I was thrilled, so thrilled that they picked me to have the opportunity to, to lead the program and, and for us to be able to start something from scratch and, and put our own fingerprint on it. I mean, it, it's been a great experience, and, and we're excited to continue to build, and hopefully this win is just, you know, one, one piece of that puzzle for us. You, you're 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 a young guy, Greg. Let's admit it. Uh, Ohio yeah. Northern graduate, uh, 2007. You were an MBA uh, at Piedmont. Interesting enough, in 2009, you have a little bit of coaching experience. What drew you to Piedmont? Why, especially after such a tough year that saw John Zeke have to shut everything down? What drew you to this program? I think it, there's so many things. I mean, how often in college athletics do you get to start something from scratch? And put your fingerprint on it, and, and you know, build a foundation. I mean, that's that's a fantastic experience. You know, I, mean, I, I thought um, I, I don't know a better way you'd want to go into a place. You know, and that that was our perspective with it. Um, I mean, at Piedmont, we have a, a great administration that supports athletics. You know, Coach Zeke. Uh, I mean, has been a fantastic resource as a guy who, who has been so successful in Division Three. You know, our facilities are really good. Our degree is really strong. You know, I mean, what it came down to was people, and, and we had to get the right guys. And, you know, I mean, and we're a younger staff. I think it's a benefit for us. But rarely do you get to go to a place in college athletics where all those other things are already intact. You know, you, you're, you love your location. We're an hour north of Atlanta. We've got a strong degree. We've got good resources. We've got a great facility. It was about people. And, you know, we like the character of our guys, and, and we think – you know, we're not taking any shortcuts and just trying to build it the right way and, and trying to become like programs like Emory and like the programs you mentioned earlier on the show that are perennial, you know, top 25 teams. That, that's our goal, and, and we're trying to take baby steps to get there. So I've been so blessed to have the opportunity here that they, you know, believed in me, and, and hopefully, you know, we can continue to grow this thing the right way. You certainly had experience with Piedmont. You were an assistant there for several years um, before going off and becoming a head coach kind of in the lower rankings, as it were. Uh, Juco yep. experience, et cetera. One question we got from Anthony Cox on Twitter is, uh, how much, uh, how, how has your time in Juco helped you improve? I think, you know, when you move one chair over, it's always a lot different. I think every <laughs> head coach who's an assistant would say that, you know, it's a lot yeah. different. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was really young coaching guys that were like a year or two younger than, than I was. And, and to be able to test ideas and, and you know, just kind of get out there and, and grow as a coach, um, you know, really prepared me for this experience. And, and like I said, I've been really blessed to have the opportunities. And, and um, you know, I think all the, the, the culmination of all those experiences, you know, leads you back back home. And, and Piedmont's home for me. It's home for my wife. And, 
And, you know, we, we can't think of a better place to try to grow a program that, you know, our entire campus can be proud of. And, and uh, I mean, we're just really fortunate, really fortunate. When you look at the roster, there's actually a number of juniors on this squad. Um, I, I think I counted three, maybe four, certainly yeah. that you were able to, to kind of hold on to in some cases. Right. Um, but otherwise, this is a very young program. Uh, as we mentioned, you're coming up with them as, as, we're, as it were. Are, are you guys kind of learning still in your second year, kind of learning each other out a little bit, or, or are you guys we, settled in? We, we threw them to the fire last year, I tell you what. <laughs> but that's what those guys wanted. That's why they came to Peabody. You know, we yeah. throw them to the fire and, and let them learn. And, and our juniors, you know, I mean, they, they've been through so much, more than any college athlete should have to go through. I mean, those guys have played for, you know, I think it's three head coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of gone through and, and been through the cancel season, all that kind of stuff. And, and our goal is – you know, I told my super job, we want to give them that fairy tale ending, as corny as it sounds. <laughs> everything they've gone through, if this ends the way we all hope it ends for those guys, um, you know, it makes their college experience even more worth it. And, and um, you know, they'll, they'll leave a legacy that when alumni come back, you know, I mean, they, they can be really proud of. But um, we're, we're learning. We're, we're all learning as a group. Um, you know, I've been gone from the area for a little bit, and, and I think the basketball in, in the South region is better than it was when I was an assistant here previously. And, and we're just kind of learning on the fly together and, and you know, trying to, you know, be as good as we can possibly be. But we're hoping we can keep these young guys around and continue to piece around them and, and have a program that, you know, we're, we're proud to be a part of. When you – let's talk about this Emory game. You guys beat them 87-85, yeah. um, you know, shot 58.8% from the floor, which is 20% better than they – Oh, that helps a ton. Um, you, you, interestingly enough, though, you took 29 less shots. You made one less. Um, what was the secret to this win? And, and, and you know, for, again, for a young program, when a big, big boy like Emory comes in, top 10 ranked and, and ready to, and raring to go, maybe they're looking past you. But what are you guys focused on, and how do you pull off that victory? I, it, for us, it's all about details. Our margin for error, you know, is so small when we're playing a good team like Emory. And it was everything from our huddles on free throws. You know, what are we getting out of a huddle? Are we matched up? Um, Emory's so good defending baseline out of bounds. You know, we had to be good at the details, just getting it in, not turning it over. Um, you know, they, they switch a lot of screens and really pressure you a lot. You know, we worked on that. And I just thought our guys were really honed in um, the two days of preparation to all those little details. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, it was great. We shot the ball well. That helped. We had, you know, Trey Gaines come off the bench for us and score 24 points in 26 minutes. Um, you know, if he continues to do that, we think we can beat a lot of people. But, um, you know, I mean, it, it was all the details for us. You know, we're not the most athletic team. We're obviously not the, the oldest and most oldest team. But we got to be really good in the details and really commit to playing together. And I thought, you know, everything from our bench energy, the guys who didn't get in the game and were really excited for their teammates, to the great crowd we had, I mean, all those little details mattered. And, and when you win a game by two points against a really good team, you need every last one of those details. So um, that, that's who we are, and, and we're, we're thrilled with that. Um, of course, uh, have not uh, played since that game. You started the season with a loss to Presbyterian, a win over Tacoa Falls, both non-Division threes, then an easy win over Swanee. You've got Oglethorpe coming up here uh, in two days on Saturday, your next big test. Of course, Oglethorpe had a pretty good season last year. Well, what's the mentality with this season? Is this uh, let's keep riding the wave and see how well we do? Or you talk about the dream, certainly for those juniors. Is it something you want to try and take advantage of this year? We're, we're, we're hoping. You know, we're, I think 
something we talked about a lot is how fast can we speed up the curve? I mean, we're two years removed from everything that happened. We've got a bunch of young guys. How fast can we speed up the learning curve? And, and you know, we're fortunate in the South. It's easier for us to play Division Ones, like a Division One exhibition game. Presbyterian was actually a Division One who beat us, you know, right out of the gate. Um, and, and we feel we like playing the Division Ones, especially in the exhibition, to prepare us for Division Three competition. And, and you know, when, when we played the Division Ones, we told our guys we thought they were mature enough to handle that the right way and be better because of it. And I think the next test for us is are we mature enough to handle beating Emory, a really, really good team, you know, going in to play Oglethorpe on Saturday, who's also really, really good and was getting votes a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to test our maturity and, and see how well we handle that. And, and um, it's going to be a really good test. But our hope is to continue to ride it and, and you know, try to play our best basketball in February like everybody else. And, and um, try to win three games in a row and, and see what happens. Um, of course, the the conference USA South last year, Maryville ran away with it, thirteen and one in conference, yeah. eighteen and eight overall. Everybody else was kind of you know, just ho humming behind them. Lagrange had a decent season in uh-huh. eighteen and eleven. No one's off to a roaring start in non conference action this year. What do you make of the USA South? Um, I by the way saw Covenant most recently, and they're certainly yeah. much improved. I think our league is much improved as a whole. I think you hit it on the head. And it's a very balanced league. You know, I mean, Maryville was picked to win our conference, and, and they're going to, I think, be really good by the end of the year. But uh, it's a very balanced conference. You know, we last year finished ninth in our league, and you know, we're fortunate enough to beat Averitt, who finished in the top three in our conference mm-hmm. in the regular season. Um, you know, it's just very balanced, a lot of different styles, um, you know, a lot of really good coaches. And, I mean, it's, I think that's why we're, we're never really in the mix for a pool seat bid because um, whoever's going to win our league is going to have a few losses. And, and, you know, we're a little limited to who we can play out of conference in the South. And we're playing a lot of really good ODAC teams or, you know, playing teams like Oglethorpe and Emory, you know, that are local to us that, that are really good. So, um, but it, it's a good conference. We, we're excited. You know, previously Piedmont was in the old GSAC conference. They didn't right. even have an automatic bid. Right. And so – just for us to have a conference tournament at the end of the year, to have a conference schedule and build rivalries, um, for our school to take the step to do that has been great. Um, I know that's what college basketball, in my opinion, is about, is conference play and those rivalries. So, um, you know, USA South has been a great league for us, and, and we're excited about January and February. What's interesting is I look at your roster and you look at your uh, contributors um, scoring-wise. you got four guys in double figures. Three of them are sophomores, Chase England, Peyton Luke, and Brian Edwards. Then you get to Chris Meeks, who's a junior. Uh, and then Trey Gaines, he's got nine points a game, and Trey Gaines is a sophomore. Uh, if anybody's looking at that, they're probably thinking to themselves, ooh, that's not good for the next few years. We, we also we can keep, we can keep those guys around. And, and what's been great, you know, those guys are Jim Rat guys and, and you know as you know in division three you know we, since our contact hours we can't have contact in the off season right. we need to have gym rat guys that go work on their game on their own and, and go lift and and do those kind of things and and um you know those guys are just as passionate about the game as as for us in the south here guys at duke and north carolina and that kind of stuff and and we want to try to get them that same kind of experience and and you know, we hold them accountable to scouting reports and, and just give them and try to give them a small division one experience. And and those guys have taken that to heart and, and worked their tails off and try to soak up all the knowledge they can and and most importantly, you know, all those guys are over three two five GPAs. Um and, and that's, you know, what we're all about. So um, but yeah, we're hoping we keep those guys around, put some pieces, you know, with them and 
and try to build our program the right way because the formula for us is winning, I think, winning with sophomores, juniors, and seniors. We have to get younger guys, develop them, keep them, and, and try to have success with them. So, Chris, Bas- Chris Basatsky come down for a visit yet? Not yet, not yet, but hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not surprised if I hear for you. You have him down there anytime in the near future. Um, <laughs> obviously, you got uh, as we mentioned Oglethorpe coming up before you hit the road against Barry, and then you have a game against uh, Kentucky Christian at home. Then you head to Frederick, Maryland. God bless you. Um, I, I know Frederick well. It's first time for us too. First Actually, time for us. Frederick's so we'll see how it goes. Frederick's a good place. Uh, Hood's a great place. Eastern Mennonite will be your opponent there. Um, before you finally start conference play against North Carolina Wesleyan on January 3rd. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show and talk about your team. As always, we give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? First of all, Dave, I want to thank you for having us. It's an honor for us to be here, and, and especially where we're coming from, we're great. And, and um, you know, we're just very thankful for the opportunity we have to coach good guys at the Division three level where I think, you know, the student-athlete is at its purest. And, and I've coached at a scholarship level, you know, whether it's junior college or whatever, and, and Division three is where my heart is. And, and, you know, I think our guys represent that. And, and um, you know, we're, we're, we're proud to be Division three members and, and on the right track. Well, congratulations on the big win with Emory, and congratulations on a great start to the season on what really is a turnaround for the Lions. I know uh, Coach Zeke's probably proud, and I'm sure there's many uh, Lion alum who are out there who are proud as well. Good luck uh, uh, as the season progresses, and we'll talk to you soon. Dave, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. Coach Neely joining us here on Hoopsville. I want to thank thank him for taking the time to join us here on the show. Don't forget, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Again, you know, seven games is all they played back in 2012-2013 season. They didn't even make 2013, I don't think. I think they ended before the 2012 calendar year ended and and kind of blew things up a little bit. Greg Neely comes in, former assistant coach there, Ohio Northern um, uh, alum. Uh, certainly knows how to play, you know, knows good basketball, had experience being a head coach at a lower level, comes in there, and they're certainly having a good start to the season, especially with that win over Emory. You can't you can't knock how important a win like that can do to a young program. Um, certainly they want to prove they're not a flash in the pan. They're going to want to go out there and at least compete with Oglethorpe and maybe get the, the victory there as well. But just that kind of win can spark something with a program like Piedmont, which certainly has a lot of pride, and, and we certainly wish them the best of luck, and we'll keep an eye on them as the season progresses. Again, 3-1 and one on the season. They haven't even started USAC play, USA South play. Uh, that will start on January 3rd when they take on North Carolina Wesleyan. Going to take another break. When we return, we're going to jump over to the women's side of the basketball court and talk to Mandy Pearson, head coach at St. Mary's. There's a team that certainly proved some stuff last year. What are they up to this year? They're off to an uh, off to an undefeated start. We'll talk to her about how the season has progressed and what the expectations are. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. 
or I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're having a wonderful evening as we uh, are here on December 4th. Lots to cover between now and the end of the show. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll try and keep an eye on some of the basketball going on out there. Of course, the Wendy's Classic is underway as well up in New England or New York, I should say. We'll try and keep an eye on that as the season moves along or the show moves along, I should say. Um, and certainly try and get some of your questions answered. So if you have questions for our guests, use the social media uh, gateways like Anthony Cox did in our last interview, and we'll get your questions in as well. We're going to jump uh, to uh, the women's side of things now and and talk about maybe not as many questions over there and necessarily as in how stable the top 25 has been in comparison to the men, but we certainly have questions as to what is going on with teams and, and, and the hot start for many of those teams. And one of those teams is the St. Mary's Cardinals out of Minnesota. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Mandy Pearson. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville once again. Thank you. Thanks for having St. Mary's back on your show. Oh, absolutely. I, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. A 7-0 and start um, mm-hmm. to the season, which includes wins over River Falls, Eau Claire, Stout. You apparently love the Wisconsin schools. Because <laughs> um, you also uh, beat lacrosse. Um, I don't know if you got a memo, but you're in Minnesota. You don't always have to go to Wisconsin. Um, though, if you're talking D1, I know in football, Wisconsin and Minnesota this past weekend went the other way. 
Um, but you're off to a terrific start. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. The winner of the internet was uh, was was Wisconsin this week. Anyway, with the uh, tweet that I saw. Anyway, it was a terrific start to the season. Maybe Thank not you. huge world beaters necessarily. You got to win over Hamlin in there as well. But considering 24 and four last season, 22 and five the year before that, we're not that far removed from the 14 and 13 season. This has got to feel like a nice start to the year. It has been. It's been a really good start. You know, it's fun anytime you can start yeah. with a couple of wins to get going. So it's been it's been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, I mean, last year you'd taken a loss in the fourth game of the season against Bethel before rattling off a whole mess of wins before you unfortunately ran into St. Thomas. And quickly on last year, you know, St. Thomas nipped you three times in, in, or twice in three in three occasions. Um, including an unfortunate championship game. Uh, and, of mm-hmm. course, Oshkosh uh, kind of exacts the Wisconsin revenge uh, with a 71-61 win in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, I notice you don't have Oshkosh on the schedule. Um, but i got to wonder, how much did that sting after such a terrific season? I think it always stings any time you lose at the end of the year. You know, our, our players were very disappointed. Uh, they were excited to be playing in the national tournament, but they really wanted more. And I think it motivated them in the offseason to definitely put some time in. Well, and that's the thing is you guys come in. I think you're a preseason top 25 at D3Hoops.com. And, and obviously expectations are high. You're coming off two huge seasons, as we mentioned, 22-5, and 24-4. and four. Top of the MIAC conversation now. How much has the culture changed in just a matter of two quick years? I think our culture has changed a lot. You know, we've always been very fortunate to have uh, players in our program who always wanted to get better and wanted to reach their potential. And, um, you know, that's continued and we've been having success. And so I think they're expecting it a little bit more than they used to. And and they're more motivated to um, put even more time in because the expectations are high and, and we have a group of really, really motivated individuals in general that just want to be as good as they can be. Yeah, you've, uh, you, you're there now in your eighth season, so you've seen it all, as it were, um, <laughs> as a head yeah. coach. Um, you know, what does it mean to the program? What does it mean to, to the, 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 the school, for that matter, to see basketball kind of up at the top now? I think it's really fun. You know, there's, in, in general at St. Mary's, a lot more hype around athletics and women's basketball being one of those teams that's had some success. It's just a really fun atmosphere. We have phenomenal community support. Our faculty and staff members are amazing. Our students are awesome. So it's been um, just a lot of fun in general. So obviously, across the board. Sure. Uh, last year, you win your first regular season MIAC championship. Uh, since 85-86, you get to your first uh, championship game in the tournament in school history. That's all the past. Now let's look at this start to the season. Again, 7-0. and uh, You're 1-0 in conference play with the win over Hamlin just yesterday. you got Augsburg and Bethel ahead of you uh, in the next few days in, in conference action. How, how important is it to keep the momentum up, especially with Bethel, who knocked you off at the beginning of last season lurking on the horizon? You know, I mean, momentum, uh, basketball is a game of momentum Mm -hmm. in general, and it would be awesome to go into Christmas um, with another win on Saturday and another win on Monday. Um, But, you know, 
we kind of try and keep it simple at St. Mary's. Our staff talks about just getting better every single day, and, and that's been our focus more so than what we did last year, what our record is now, or what we want to achieve as a team. It's just constant improvement. And so that's what we'll talk about you know, tomorrow at practice. You talk about momentum. After you get done with the game against Bethel on Monday, you're off for three weeks. Uh, your next <laughs> game won't be until December 30th. Uh, when you'll take on North Park in non-conference play, and then you'll get back into conference action. Of course, the Mayak is jammed with conference play in the double round robin set. You don't have that many out-of-conference games. Is that kind of why you have December wide open? Um, it's just, just kind of how the schedule worked out. You know, in general, at St. Mary's, I like to give them time away. Sure. So I try to, you know, give them some time where they can go and spend some time with family and we can't play over finals anyways um kind of a school rule so um that that's kind of why it's the way it is but it'll be good for us we've we've been beat up a little bit with some injuries and some sickness like every other team in the country so those three weeks will be good for us to get healthy and maybe stay warm up there in the in the what is now considered the bitter cold uh, of (laughs) minnesota um You have three seniors on this squad. Of course, everyone probably knows about Octavia Brown, uh, Natalie Williams, and then Sarah Schoenthaler. This is (laughs) certainly three players like yourself who've seen it all and certainly have succeeded in the last few years. Tell us a little bit about them as seniors on this squad. Okay. Um, Well, Sarah and Octavia, this is actually their seniors. This is their fourth year playing. Natalie was our manager for three years um, and was phenomenal. She ran ran our practices. She kept me on schedule. Um, (laughs) And she's actually a pretty good basketball player. She wanted to give it a try this year and has been doing some great things for us. She hasn't, you know, gotten in the game very much. But at practice, she definitely brings a ton of energy and she has great work ethic. So we're we're definitely happy, happy to have her playing this season and uh, Sarah and Octavia has always just been great defensive players mm-hmm. and strong leaders for us in in their own unique way um, and, and they bring a lot every single day they've got great work ethic uh, they get along with everybody they're both uniquely funny in their own ways but they've done a good job for us for four years of course you're led by Shelby as it Oseth um, Dances, yes. uh, the junior with 13.6 points a game, nearly 12 points for Molly O'Toole, by the way, love that name. Uh, the <laughs> freshman from Plymouth, Minnesota, it, just perfect. Uh, Emma yeah. Emma Schaefer and, and Bridget Perthke are, are your other double-figure leaders. You've got a lot of people contributing who aren't in this senior class. That's always uh, good for a coach and, and the future of the program as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's kind of the strength of our team right now and what I hope continues is that we we have a lot of options and we have different people who step up every single game and you just kind of list off our four leading scorers um, but then we have other people who come in and hit some big shots or make some big defensive plays so I'm, I'm really happy with um, the improvements we've made so far this season and, and the potential that we have. You've also gone deep on the bench. Nine players in every single game have gotten in. You've gotten ten players into five of your seven. By what I can tell, you've played everybody at least once this season. How important is it to go deep in your bench early in the year? I think it's really important. You know, I mean, there's such a thing as gamers. So if if you never give people a shot, in the game, and maybe because they're not practicing well, you'll never really know what, what they can bring to the team. So I think it's really important um, 
to find out who who plays well together and who can contribute on the court. So we do have a tendency to go deeper in our bench early in the season. Let's talk about the conference just a little bit. Again, last year you guys were regular season champs. Um, and then uh, St. Thomas finished a game behind you along with Concordia Moorhead. Bethel was lurking. Uh, then there was a drop-off, and then you still had St. Olaf, Gustavus Adolphus, and the rest. <coughs> Excuse me. What does it look like this year? How do you think it's it's shaping up to be uh, in the MIAC this season? You know, I think we'll have a, a few of the same teams that will be fighting for the top of the league again. Um, but it's the MIAC, and you never know what's going to happen. Sure. Uh, every game's competitive. Um Every team can can show up on any given night, so it's every you know it's always a battle, and our goal is to be as consistent as we can every single night, so that you know we can hopefully fight for one of those top spots. And we should mention we talked about it last year. Certainly, you you played at Concordia Moorhead. You yeah. know this conference darn well. Um, <laughs> there's nothing surprises you necessarily. Of course, now you've been a head coach for eight years at St. Mary's. How much has the conference changed, though, from when you were playing to early in your coaching career to now? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how much it's changed. Um, it's still competitive every yeah. single night. Uh, we have some great teams, some great players. Um, we, we have a tendency to have similar teams that are always making playoffs, but um, we've seen every every team uh, works their way into the top six and compete every year um, any given season. So it's, it hasn't changed a lot. It's always a battle. Um, when Again, not to harp on last year, but the, the way last year ended as a head coach, can you take any of that and kind of use it moving forward, um, especially as, as you get into the, the, the grind of the season when we hit January? You know, I think you can if you want to. Uh, I We don't talk about it. We don't talk about the past within our program just right. because I think I don't want our players to feel pressure to be something that they're not. Sure. You know, I don't want our leaders to try and be a leader that they're not. I want them to be themselves and to focus on today and what we can do as a team to get better. And uh, hopefully we end up reaching our potential as a program. You know, that's that's our number one goal, and that's what we focus on. So, you know, I think the way that we can use last season is just to remind our players that teams are going to be gunning for us every single night because you always want to knock off last year's conference champions. Um, but that might be the only time that we'll use that or talk about it. Uh, again, you got a home game on Saturday against Augsburg, followed by a home game against Bethel on Monday before you take that three-week break. Um, certainly would love to start the conference play 3-0, and I know. St. Thomas, though, is is looming for a much later date in the season. Uh, I uh, can't even find the game. I got it on the 4th of February. There's got to be a game missing in there somewhere. Um, I must not see no, it. No, that, that isn't, actually. We only play the months this year. Oh, talk about yeah. something I wasn't ready for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, so used to the double round robin. I'm so used to the double round robin. Um, yeah. So that, that's interesting because that game is at their place um, and certainly has a ramification like the rest of these games do. How much does that change the mentality when you face off against conference foes, especially if you only get to play them once? 
Um, I, you know, it's it's new for me too. Yeah. It, it, playing where we're not playing the double round robin anymore. So, um, does that add more you know, pressure? We'll find out. I don't know. I mean, I guess I always liked playing as a as a player playing teams twice. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm sure because it's St. Thomas that our team is really going to go in there wanting to beat them. You know, sure. I think everybody in the country wants to beat St. Thomas. So um, it, it might add some pressure. It might add some excitement. I know that Bridget Pesky was a little angry that we weren't playing them twice this season because she enjoys uh, – she wants to play everybody twice. She wants to be as successful as she can. But um, I don't know. Time will tell. Fascinating, to say the least. Uh, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing how that all – uh, plays out this season. Again, big wins in the Wisconsin in the WIAC Conference. Of course, the win over Hamlin in there, Minnesota Morris along with Crown uh, as well. The 7-0 and start is certainly uh, impressive for the Cardinals. Um, and I'm sure Winona is, is excited as well. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who, who may be tuning in? Who may be tuning in? Um it's an exciting time of year. You know, it's basketball season. It makes those Minnesota winters go by faster. So um, we're, we're excited and we're working hard and we're we're very thankful for all of the St. Mary's support that we receive and from all of our friends and family. We have we have a, we have a really big Cardinal family and it's, it's exciting. Well, uh, the, the, hopefully the winter is not nearly as brutal as last year, but uh, I know it's been off to a hard start. So good luck. Uh, Thank you. Staying warm and staying dry, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to chatting with you someone down the road. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Mandy, Pier- care. Mandy Pearson joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate her taking the time to do so. Um, interesting. I somehow missed the fact that they weren't playing a double round robin this year. Uh, again, they take on uh, Augsburg and Bethel coming up on Saturday and Monday before taking 22 days off before they'll place off against North Park in non-conference play. Then they'll get back into conference action. Concordia Moorhead will start that all off on January 3rd, which is a Saturday. If you have any questions for us or our guests, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or Facebook us. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You'll notice over our shoulder a little bit of decoration. Uh, that is our studio setup for now. We're still in the process of, of altering it and making it better. But for the most part, um, we've de- redecorated a little bit. There's a new shirt over my right shoulder. There's a new shirt over my left shoulder and just off my left shoulder. And there's a new shirt higher up as well. We'll keep changing those out. We're even going to put up some bookshelves and hang some other paraphernalia that we have. We know that the Lauren Hill... Um, uh, jerseys are on their way to people. We have not received ours yet, but that will get a prominent spot behind us as well when we get further down, when we receive it. Uh, speaking of Lauren Hill, though, the sad news is that hospice care has begun for her. Certainly that, that, that can be taken in two different ways. One, it's just an additional support for her and her family, so she doesn't always have to go to the hospital for medications or treatments and, and the like, but it's also a sign of what may be coming. That's the sad news. The great news about this was yesterday we learned that hospice care has started, and yesterday we then learned that she's on a bus with her team to go to Transylvania for the game. Incredible, to say the least. I know hospice care is a, is a sad sign. She clearly is not mentally thinking that. I saw a picture posted by Brad Johansson. I believe it was her eating one of her favorite ice creams while trying to ignore the fact the hospice was in the house. But then she's on a bus to travel with her team to Transylvania. 
Cincinnati to Lexington. I think that's about an hour and a half, maybe two-hour drive, depending on factors. I think it's an hour and a half. Bravo, Lauren Hill. Bravo. I mean, talk about inspirational. She is going to go out with a fight, and we certainly can't um, say it enough that she is an inspiration to many people out there, and I hope people have been inspired. Again, we're waiting for our jersey to arrive. We're looking forward to it when it arrives. We will hang it prominently. Um, and by the way, should point out that Local 12, which is WKRC, the TV station that Brad Johansson works at, has teamed up um, to try and raise a million dollars by the end of the year for DPIG, which is what Lauren Hill suffers from. Can't say it enough, folks. That is worth going and trying to contribute to if you can't. Uh, there's lots of ways to do it. Uh, we'll tweet out when we see items that we think are significant. Um, speaking of which, I think there was one I saw earlier. Um, here we go. We'll tweet out his the latest from Brad Johansson. Um, don't forget, there's the, also the Layup for Lauren Challenge. Um, so lots of ways you can uh, donate. We certainly hope you'll take the time to do so. Lauren Hill, an incredible inspiration, to say the least. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will jump up to the Northeast and talk to the number two women's basketball team in all the land. Amherst and Coach G.P. Gromacki will join us. You're listening to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. When we come back, Amherst women's basketball, and we'll talk about their 101 straight. Home game winning streak. We'll be back with more hoops right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. 
And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, here on the air on December 4th, if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us at Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Of course, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. should also point out we're now podcasting the show. Once the show is off the air video-wise, we'll try and turn around the audio within by the next morning, we hope. There's some delays uh, just in getting the best quality that we can and the best recording that we can and turn it around. We're at least doing it through SoundCloud right now and hopefully on iTunes as well, so keep track of that. You can RSS your feeds through those uh, and get to listen to the show. I know we've had those requests over the years. If we could podcast them, we're now doing our best to do so. If you have questions about that process or have thoughts on it, please feel free to share those with us as well via the uh, social media ways that we describe and are on the bottom of your screen as well. Uh, for many people, winning five games, six games, seven games in a row is pretty cool. Imagine going undefeated at home. That's pretty nice during a basketball season. Okay, so now imagine you went four straight seasons without losing a game, period, and you might get close to what what Amherst has done, though all at home. They have not lost a game in, well, years at home. LaFrac has certainly been good for the Amherst Lord Jeffs women's basketball team. Thanks to the victory tonight, they have now won a hundred and one straight games and joining us on the hoop so hotline is their head coach gp gromacki coach uh fresh off a new win thanks for joining us i certainly appreciate it yeah thanks for having me um 101 how much has that kind of sunk into you guys a little bit the best home winning streak in all of ncaa history i mean it feels good with you mentioning it so uh, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean it when it happened, it was pretty amazing, but you, you, you never think you could accomplish something like that. Um, the win over Baruch was the one that set the record, the second-to-last home game as it is, as you obviously beat Eastern Connecticut tonight. But uh, 100 games, um, the record had been held by UConn, as we mentioned, of 99 along with you guys. Um, I'm double-checking. Let's see, Kentucky men's basketball did, does have the all-time record of 129. Your streak began January 31st in 2009 against Colby. Um, when did you guys first off? Did you even know you were closing in on the record? Because sometimes these kinds of records are the ones that kind of sneak past people without you realizing it until it's on top of you. Well, we didn't. We knew that we had broken the Division Three record. Um, I think it was last year. Yes. Um, but we didn't do any, know anything about the all-time UConn's record until one of the fans said at the end of last year, do you know like you're a couple wins away from breaking the all-time women's basketball home win streak? And I didn't, I didn't know until this fan told me. <laughs> oh, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Nothing like going into the offseason with a little bit of pressure. Right. Um, well, and if I'm not mistaken, have, have, you, have you been there for – yes, you've been there for – the entire winning streak as well. I'm just saying it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, what's wh How do you kind of keep everybody focused on the task at hand when a big record like that's on the horizon? Yeah, we, we have never talked about the streak in, until we broke it the other night. Um, you know, we just keep, you know, playing one game at a time and enjoying what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, <laughs> And just uh, you know, keep on enjoying playing the game. Um, I assume there was balloon and fireworks and uh, confetti and 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 um, champagne, correct? <laughs> well, not quite, but uh, <laughs> it, it would. It sounds nice. Yes, it does sound nice. 
Obviously, the win over Baruch was huge. Uh, off to a 4-0 start on the season. Wins over Keene State, Mount Holyoke, uh, Baruch, Emanuel. I should say 5-0 now with the win over Eastern Connecticut just tonight at Lafrac to, to extend the, the streak to 101. Uh, you'll be back home again on the 10th against Rhode Island College at the game against Bridgewater State first here on Saturday. How's the team looking early in the season? You know, we're coming along. Uh, we've looked really good at times and other times not so good, which I think early in the season you're going to have. Um, you know, we're still a fairly young team. Uh, you know, right now we're starting four sophomores and a junior. Hmm. Uh, a couple freshmen are getting into the mix. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy right now, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a long season. We've got to get better. Um, last year finished twenty six and four on, on the season. The year before thirty and three. The year before that thirty one and two. You went four straight seasons of thirty or more wins. Oh eight oh nine was as close. Uh, twenty nine wins. Were, were you worried about your job security with only twenty six wins last season? <laughs> well, no, not really. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're not completely satisfied the way last year ended. Sure. So it gives us a little motivation. But uh, you know, we're 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 happy. You know, that we were successful last year, but, uh, you know, breaks sometimes go your way, and they didn't go quite our way, but we're still, you know, still happy with that record. We're never, when you get 26 wins, you're never going to be disappointed. Sure. Um, of course, losing to Ithaca in the final game of the season last year. Um, again, 26 and 4 last year, 9 and 1 in the conference. You know, the turnaround was immediate with you kind of coming in. The team was 12 and 13, 06, 07. You appear in 0708 and it's 27 and three. Um, um, what has been the biggest key for the Amherst's success um, besides the obvious that you're head coach? Well, Amherst is a special place. You know, we attract uh, great students, great student athletes, um, and we're able to you know recruit throughout the country, uh, which I think is a big positive, and and. You know, people want to go here, uh, so you don't have to, you know, push too hard when you tell them what Amherst is about if they don't know about it. And fortunately, you know, enough people know about Amherst uh, that we can attract, uh, you know, top student athletes. Um, this is a this is a conference that certainly has gotten more competitive as the years go on. Last year, Tufts went undefeated at ten and zero and thirty and three on the season. You guys were game behind them. Bowden and Trinity were in the mix. Uh, Williams had a quote-unquote off year. They were 20 and six and six and four in conference action the year after you two faced off in the consolation game at the championship weekend. What do you expect of the new Mac or the new Mac new NESCAC this year, this season? Yeah, I think it's it's more than the same. You know, you can't take any night off. Um, you know, it's very competitive. Uh, you know, they're like schools, so you know we expect more of the same. It's going to be a dogfight to win the conference. Uh, like like it is every year. So, you know, we're not expecting anything different. Um, you know, but we're excited about that when that time comes in January. Do you look at records right now and go, huh, Colby's 7-0, and we're 4-0, and Tufts is 6-0, and Williams is 8-0. and um, Nobody has more than three losses. That's Wesleyan at 3-3, three and three, Bates at 6-3. and three. Do you look at that early stuff and go, okay, this is interesting? Well, I mean... Because we know our conference is pretty strong from top to bottom, we know the records are going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it's not something I pay that close of attention. I just worry about what we're doing and, 
you know, when we're going to face those teams, we start worrying about them. You talk about your team, a, a young one, as you point out, that you do have two seniors on it, Megan Robertson at, uh, and, and Taylor Smith uh, for this team. And obviously they've had a lot of experience and certainly have seen this team go far. Um, but they're not really the, the only leaders on this squad. Uh, updated stats as of tonight, 16.5 points for Allie Doswell, 10.5 points for Shane Pritchard, 13.5 points from Marley Giddens. Those are not the seniors on the squad. Those are the under, underclassmen that you kind of talk about. This this team's got depth, does it not? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's uh, you know one of our strengths. I think you know by season ends, if we can get some players a little more playing time and some experience, we'll be even deeper. But uh, you know, like I'm pretty proud of you know what they've been doing so far, and uh, you know, we just got to keep improving. But uh, definitely, we have a little more depth than I think we did last year. The other thing you guys have is height. Um, there's no player shorter than five six on this team. Uh, there is, let's see, one two three four pl- five players six foot or tallest with the tallest at six two, which is my height, which gives me pause. Um, you know, Megan Robertson six two, uh, six one out of Hannah Hackley, six two out of Ro- Rebecca Ford, six two out of Rachel Boyette, six foot out of Jackie Nagel. And that's not even talking about a couple of them at 5'10", 5'11". You have a lot of height, especially for Division Three women's basketball. Yeah, we're pretty fortunate, but, you know, you can always have more <laughs> and get a recruiting pitch out there. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, well done, Coach. Yeah. Uh, well done. The other thing, too, is you're, you're picking them from all over the, the world. Uh, Lily Johnson, your 5'10 freshman, is from uh, Switzerland. But you're, you're, you're beyond just New England, in Maryland, Virginia, Georgia, Florida, Iowa, New Jersey. Um, you're, you're starting to get a, a lot of influences from around the country now as well. And certainly some of that kind of goes with the Amherst name, does it not? Uh, <laughs> you know, let's not kid ourselves too much. It all goes with the Amherst name. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you like to think it's more than that. But sure. uh, in the end, you know, our school... Is more than just basketball. It's uh, mm-hmm. you know it's the academics and the life experiences they get here, and you know the top-notch professors. Uh, it's a great place. Um, when looking at this schedule, I'm a little perplexed. Uh, you're playing back-to-back games on December 29th and December 30th, but from what I can tell, those are not in Las Vegas. No. Is something wrong, Coach? I'm so used to seeing you in Las Vegas. Yeah, we took a hiatus, and I can tell you a little bit about those games. Yeah. Um, when I coached at St. Lawrence, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 2002, uh, my assistant coach was uh, Bruce Town, who coaches at SUNY Canton. Now he's the head coach. Uh, he always wanted to play down here, and we invited two players that are head coaches at Drew in Manhattanville that we both coached at St. Lawrence. Hmm. So, and we're, it's going to be kind of the coaches versus players. So we're going to play Drew. Huh. He's going to play Manhattanville. The next day we play Manhattanville, he's going to play Drew. So it's, it's going to be a fun time. We usually don't host that tournament, but yeah. uh, it's kind of a little reunion. That is, that is going to be fun. But I do find something ironic here. So the 29th and 30th, you play Drew in Manhattanville. Then on the 5th, you're, you're traveling down to play Arcadia and Farmingdale State. Um, all four of those schools, are, are, or at least three of them, Drew, Merchant, or Manhattanville, and Arcadia, are relatively close to each other down in the New Jersey, New York area. Uh, scheduling uh, travel there, you're just going to travel with Manhattanville and Drew back down to New Jersey maybe right <laughs> after the games? 
Yeah, it depends how we play. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, we, and we've we've got to go somewhere. Sure. So, uh, you know, that's the pick, the trip we picked, and we're going to go down to Philadelphia and spend a couple days. So uh, it should be a fun trip for us. And interesting enough, you sneak in a game with uh, St. Lawrence on January twelfth yep. uh, on the road there against your former uh, head coaching stop. Um, is 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 it just one of those where you're just filling in holes where you need to fill in holes? Yeah, they, you know, we were looking for a game, and fortunately they need one, needed one. And uh, so we're going to go up there. It should be a good time. So you get the five wins to start the season. Now you hit, turn around, you got Bridgewater State on the road on Saturday, Rhode Island College on the 10th before you take a uh, 19-day break before Drew and Manhattanville. We don't even get in the conference action until you take on Hamilton on January 9th uh, and Williams then on January 10th, an interesting grouping there. Of course, going to be at home there. How and you haven't even played your little three games. Those are coming up right. later in the season, whereas the men have already kind of headed down that direction. Uh, you literally have two different seasons. You've got your non-conference, and then you're going to go into conference play. Do you? Are you? Does it mean two different coaching approaches? Does it mean okay, we're going to coach this way, and our mentality is going to be this way, and this is what we're going to try and get out of our season now before you get into conference play, when there's obviously a lot more on the line. Well, that's, that's a great question. It's a great point as well. We do break it up into different seasons. Um, you know, we have this, this semester, and, and then we have a break and after finals, and then we kind of have a few games before conference and then conference and hopefully the conference tournament, NCAA tournament. Uh, so we definitely do break it into different sections. You know, how much we coach differently, I think it may depend on the year and what kind of team you have. Um, but we definitely – we break it into sections for sure. I know it's way down the road. You're probably not looking at it this much, but how how big is it to have Williams on that opening weekend of conference play? It doesn't give you much of a warm-up act at all. No, I think it was the same last year as well. So, uh, yeah, we get right into it. And we obviously have Hamilton first, so um, you know, it's a good way to start. Yeah, Hamilton, Williams, then St. Lawrence, then Tufts and Bates, and then back to Williams. Nice way to kick off the conference action. Sure. to say the least, and then looming Trinity. I mean, we're getting into deep January at this point. But, Coach, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to join us. Again, 101 straight wins at LaFrac. It begs the question, why don't you just schedule every single game for your gym? <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, you would love to do that, wouldn't you? Sure, of course. Um, and maybe that's why you're staying at home against Drew in Manhattan. Now I get it. Now, <laughs> I, now it makes all the sense in the world. Well, we'll miss your... Your uh, shirts in Las Vegas, you, you surprised us last year by just dropping by, even though you weren't part of the, the <laughs> event that we were at, but it was nice to see you nonetheless. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. As you as you probably remember, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Hey, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you guys do a great job. Um, you know, other than being a Ravens fan, you know, <laughs> you know I had to throw that in. Yeah, you go know, ahead. My Patriots are looking pretty good. Yeah, my uh, Ravens are not. <laughs> But it, it's you guys, you know, you're what D3 is about, and uh, you promote the game well, and it's uh, great having you. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Kind words, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. I'm sure we'll chat with you down the road. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Coach G.P. Gramacki. Joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. Again, 101 straight wins. That is a Division 1, 2, and 3 women's record. Um, I dropped the story by accident, um, but they're not that far away. I think a couple seasons, uh, maybe, you know, because of home game splits, probably two seasons away from the all-time record that Kentucky held 
Um, but we'll keep an eye on that. But off to a 5-0 and start, as we mentioned. Keene State, Mount Holyoke, Baruch Emanuel, Eastern Connecticut tonight. We're all wins. Bridgewater on the road coming up on Saturday before they will face Rhode Island College um, next Wednesday at home. Then they take that break in their home against Drew Manhattanville. Talk about a great little series there of games. It'll be fun to watch and keep an eye on, to be sure. you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Well, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to go talk to the number one team in the country on the men's side. They're number one for now. Will they stay number one is to be determined. We'll talk to Augustana's men's basketball when we come back. And still ahead, Ohio Wesleyan. Mike DeWitt will join us to talk about his battling bishops. You're listening to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, we'll be back with more Hoops Hill right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. If you've got questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also uh, tweet us at d3hoops or hashtag hoopsville. Or you can join us on Facebook or Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Lots to talk about uh, throughout and lots of questions to be asked. And that's certainly on the men's side. And so far, the two number one teams have not survived their one term on the poll, as it were. Preseason Wisconsin Whitewater uh, lost in the opening game of the season. Then Augustana took over the number one spot, and they lost to Central. But there may be some answers to that question as to what happened against Central. But to get those from the horse's mouth, as it were, we will go to the Hoopsville Hotline. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is Coach Gray Giamani. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you. 
Um, first and foremost, at least off to a good start to the season with wins over Albion, though that one was nip and tuck. Mount St. Joseph, Thomas Moore, uh, and Russ, they were all easy wins. You get a nice easy win over Knox, and then Central decided to knock you off your pedestal just a little bit. Um, we'll get to maybe one of the biggest reasons there, but uh, was that kind of the proverbial wake-up call that maybe all teams need to face at some point in time? Well, I think you have to go further back. Our, our win on the road at Bradley University was, uh, yeah. you know, just those, I don't think there have been many Division three teams go on the road uh, to mid-majors and win, and that uh, was a terrific start for us. And then, you know, we won two tournaments, one in Kentucky, one in Ohio, and and uh, I think that uh, probably we're very much uh, – uh, somewhat deserving of the of the recognition that we've gotten i think uh, uh that team was was quite special but uh over the course of the last uh, week or 10 days here we've really had some setbacks that have kind of brought us back to the pack i think um in, in with some injuries and certainly um you know we lost big kevin schlitter our fifth year yeah. post guys six eight two seventy and and really a just an outstanding player and great young man tourist ACL for the third time, and we went to, to Iowa without our best defender, a terrific athlete, to Juwan Strotter. So went out there shorthanded, but you know Central played terrific basketball and, and made 16 threes, and uh, we didn't do a great job defensively, certainly, but I give them credit, and, and uh, you know they beat us on their home court, and I think they had a lot of momentum from uh, a terrific year last year. They were conference champions, and in the second round of the NCAA tournament, but uh, but our team is is not where we were a week or 10 days ago in terms of uh, you know, the caliber of play and personnel at this point. I was going to say the 16-3 certainly huge. 16-40 from beyond the arc. Central chucked up 40 of their 57 shots from beyond the arc. I mean, that's just stellar. They, they did, and, and you know, about half of them were contested, and then we, we didn't do a real good job on the other half. But they, uh, you know, again, to their credit, they, they were committed to that, and they made big shots every time we made a run and, and held us off. I was going to say, it, it's tough when you make one more shot than they do overall, and you only took four more shots than they did, but they took they hit eight more threes uh, than you guys did overall for the game. But I almost kind of I wonder, you know, you talk about the loss uh, on the roster, certainly, of Schlitter. Um, how much do, do you maybe as a coach almost cringe when you see the number one ranking come out Monday night um, and you know you've lost Slitter and you know you've maybe not the same team everybody else thinks you are, yeah. how much do you kind of go, oh, really? <laughs> well, that's exactly what happened. We, we got the, the MRI results uh, on the same day that we found out we were ranked number one. <laughs> and I was going to call for a revo. Uh, <laughs> I, sure, uh, we'll give it to you. Yeah, but they they weren't. Nobody asked for for my input. But uh, it was a boy. It was a tough day because uh, you know just a, like I said, terrific young man who'd come back from ACL surgery as a sophomore. Right. And and I think one of the best big guys in the country when he was healthy and in shape. But that happened uh, just very rarely during his career here. And um, but you know again, he's going to sit for the CPA this spring, and he's going to have a terrific yeah. post basketball life. But uh, he was such a big part of of who we were and, and uh, just, you know, his experience and, and uh, the investment that he'd made uh, in those rehabs. So, so it was, it was really very much a mixed, uh, a mixed emotions day and, and a terrific honor to be 
rank number one and, and uh, to be thought of in that light. But I knew in my heart, well, the team they rank number one is no longer with us, and we're kind of redefining our team uh, at this point. And by the way, I did notice you hadn't started him in any of the four games that he played in. No, he was coming off the bench, and, you know, you look at his staff, but, but the 15 minutes a game that he played – had such a profound impact. Sure, uh, you know he'd get a big tip in. He'd set a tremendous ball screen. He'd snap off three rebounds and trigger a fast break. So when he was in there, he was really making a difference in the games. When you and I talked last season, you pointed out that you guys have had success every time you went on an international trip. The following season, you had success, mm-hmm. and certainly last year kind of was the coming out party. Not that you guys aren't there in general, but certainly top of the CCIW in the battle. I. I got the feeling though that last year kind of ended well a little prematurely that you guys had higher aspirations for this squad uh well last year was an interesting season we we really had things rolling and then we have just and you know i i think it happens with most teams but we lost a key guy uh, to an injury and we we kind of hit the skids we lost uh, i think four in a row yeah and, and then we came back and finished really strong and uh, kind of played our way into the NCAA tournament and had a great win over St. Thomas. And, you know, as you know, um, sometimes the, the, um, the bracketing, uh, you know, you just get some tough breaks. And, sure. and here we were in the second round playing you know, the, the, the team that would go on to win the national title. Yeah. And I don't think we were, we were not a national title contender next year, last year, certainly, but we had a very good team and, uh, it was very important for us to, to finish, you know, into the NCAA tournament and, and advance to the second round, um, and and then we had everybody coming back. So certainly the expectation uh, for all of us was this could really be a, you know, a terrific year for us. Yeah, certainly those four losses in a row: Elmers, North Central, Wheaton, Illinois, Wesleyan were a stinger. But you guys certainly came back. But you point out, I mean, losing to Whitewater, it doesn't always look as bad when they go on to win the national championship this season off to that five and zero start before losing to central. You've got font bond coming up on Saturday. Then you got a big test coming up on the 10th uh, next Wednesday against Wisconsin whitewater. I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but you know, everybody else has looked ahead <laughs> at, at that game. What are you hoping just to accomplish now that you've taken some hits uh, to the roster injury wise and the like, what are you hoping just to, to get accomplished before you take your Christmas break? Well, I, I'm excited that we have that game. I think it'll give us a tremendous uh, um, idea of, of where our team is. And if we can kind of right the ship here and, and, uh, and bounce back and be competitive on a national level, uh, and I think that we'll have to play that well to, to make that a really competitive game, uh, if we can do that, it would really be, uh, you know, uh, give us, I think, a tremendous confidence moving forward. Um, you know, if they come in here and rout us, then, you know, we'll know that we're – you know, we still have an awful long way to go, but I think it's great for us to have a game of that nature at this point on our schedule. Of you know, a national caliber opponent, you know, defending a national champion. Certainly, you know, we'll have a standing room only crowd. It'll be a tremendous environment. Those are the kind of games that you like uh, to play in, and certainly enjoy coaching in. So we're excited to have that game uh, on the schedule. Looking at your roster, you're down to now two seniors on the squad, with with Slitter uh, taking a seat, obviously with the injury. Um, you're led by two guys, 13 points a game each from uh, Hunter Hill, who's a junior, but also then your other senior in, in Nick 
Uh, Hopfner. Is it Hop, Hopfner? It's actually Hefner, yeah. Hefner. Okay. Um, those guys are, are, are leading your way. I should say you're at three seniors. I miscounted. I, I apparently missed Mark Roth there. Mark Roth and Danelia's uh, Jagudis are, are your other two seniors. Um, and I'm missing Alex there. So apparently I can't count, yeah. Coach. you got four seniors. <laughs> I'm, I'm blinded, though, by the number of juniors you've got on this yeah, squad. Well, the, the, you know, it's, it's funny, and, and I was talking uh, last night to Central's coach. Some years you, you know, some years you almost get shut out in recruiting, and some years it just kind of all comes together <laughs> and, and the whole big group wants to come. And, and you know, it's in Division Three. Uh, you don't have a limit of scholarship. I was going to say that's and a so, benefit. <laughs> yeah, and so some years uh, you end up more than with what you might normally have. And you, you know, as you again, you, you also have to remember we lost no seniors last year. So that that was a class that had three or four guys, a couple of whom had career-ending injuries. And of course, Slitter kind of came back a year because of his uh, uh, medical hardship. But uh, it is a big junior class, and and one that. As I've reminded them, they've been good, but they haven't been special. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that they can uh, have a great uh, junior and senior season. By the way, I got a kick out of something looking at uh, at your roster. Uh, of course, you guys are in uh, the Moline, Davenport, Rock Island, you know, the, the trio of towns there, uh, Quad City, I should say, uh, region right there on the uh, Mississippi River. I got the chance to visit a few years ago. Certainly was a... Cool experience, but I get a kick out of the fact looking at your roster. Considering you are literally a throw away from Iowa, you you only ha- have two guys from Iowa on your roster. The rest are Illinois. You do know you can cross that river, Coach. <laughs> well, that's a good point, but sometimes that river is awfully wide. <laughs> and uh, the uh, what we've kind of found is that uh, once you get out of our viewing area, yeah, you know, the kind of the television viewing area. There are so many uh, other options for kids in Iowa. Sure. There's a whole other conference. And they don't have a great appreciation, uh, I think, for the caliber of play in the CCIW. And, of course, last night uh, Central gained great credibility in in, in thumping us. But, uh, yeah, we've had a great run of kids from just across the river, Pleasant Valley, Davenport Central, Bettendorf. But haven't gotten much further uh, west than that. (laughs) And a lot of the – the Augustana alumni and recognition is in the top half of the state of Illinois into the Chicagoland area. Yeah, yeah, you got to convince people from the Chicagoland area to visit Western Illinois. I'll admit, in my 11 years in Chicago, I never visited Western Illinois. Um, let's talk about the CCIW quickly. Last year, of course, led uh, by Illinois Wesleyan at 12 and two, Wheaton 10 and four. Then you guys were there with Carthage at nine and five. This year, it certainly looks like it might be a little bit more of a hodgepodge. North Central's off to a good start. Elmer's certainly off to a good start. You guys, Illinois Wesleyan with one loss. North Park maybe reemerging. Wheaton, nobody really knows what to think of. Carthage is 3-3. Three and three. Milliken, 3-2. Three and two. I know it's early, and I know there's no conference play yet. We're not going to see that till January. But what do you see, or how do you see this conference shaking out this year? Well, I think it's going to be as, as challenging as ever. I, I think... Uh, Terrific depth in the conference. I think there'll be great parity. Um, you know, you just rattle them all off, and and uh, you know, keep in mind you're talking about a number of programs that have been competed at the national level um, here over the last six and eight years, and uh, I think it'll just be as challenging as ever. And um, whoever emerges, uh, certainly whoever holds that trophy up at the end, will have uh, been. Uh, been worthy because it'll be a tough journey 
Yeah, so you've got Fontbonne ahead before Whitewater, then McMurray, then Luther and Co. Uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, before you'll get into conference play, you'll take on Carthage on January 3rd. Again, you're dealing with injuries. This is sometimes a good thing with a team with so much middle ground. And I'm talking about those juniors and sophomores uh, that are going to get some playing time. Is it one of those where you've got a plan? Okay, he stepped aside. We got we know who's coming in. Or is this going to be in the next few weeks kind of feeling it out, figuring out who's going to be able to step up for you? Well, I think one of the strengths of our program traditionally has been our depth. You know, we've played a lot of different people, and we've had a lot of good players. Um, but the guy that's replacing, uh, you know, when one guy goes down, you know, the, the idea of next man in is, yeah. is a great in concept. But we don't have anybody else like Kevin. He was 6'8", 270. We, we just, he was a, a difference maker at the Division three level. There just aren't many guys like him. Right. And so it changes the dynamic of our team. And then, Again, we've played the last two games without our best uh, perimeter defender uh, in, in Jawan Strader, but I, I think he's more a matter of, of days than weeks uh, being out. So it's not as simple as just, well, we plug the next guy in. The next guy in doesn't look anything like the guy we lost. Sure. And so we're we're a different team. You know, we, you know, the idea that, well, we're going to pound that thing inside to, to Kevin when he's in there, um, that's not going to happen now. And so, you know, but that's why you coach. I mean, you, you have to – be flexible and and take the the hands you're dealt and make the most of it and and that's what we're you know working through right now and as we talked about we better work through it quick because we're going to run into a buzzsaw yeah. next Wednesday uh, so but that's you know that's the process that you go through during the course of a long season well and per that before we let you go so you've got Whitewater certainly coming up on Wednesday um, but you in your conference don't have any conference games until January. If there's any, ever a time that, that's perfect to suffer an injury that doesn't have as much ramification as it could, certainly at large bids is a different conversation, but in the general sense, having the injury now with CCIW playing not till January is at least something you guys can adjust to before you get into conference action. That's got to be at least somewhat assuring for you guys as a program. Well, I love that you're a glass-half-full guy. Dude. I'm that's, trying. That's well, well said. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. Uh, our league uh, jo- has a member uh, joining at, what, 15, 16, 15, yes. 17. Carol comes back. Right. Here, and we've just, we just gotten some tentative uh, uh, scheduling. Uh, scheduling starts um, sooner, won't it? Well, and there's no, we're playing two and three conference games in December. So you're very much – I've really, really – and at the major college level where I spent the better half of my career, you didn't play any non-conference games uh, once conference – started and vice versa and i really like that and our league is going to change yeah. as many leagues do um but you, it's a great point that we we will not face a conference opponent until we've had whatever rotation we go to in place for a couple of weeks and so that is a good thing I, I agree with you well i appreciate you coming on the show certainly gonna be fun to, to watch you guys play looking forward to that game on wednesday though i'm probably i'm, I'm guessing you're not in some sense um, most coaches look forward to a game while at the same time, you know, are apprehensive about a game at the same time. So I can appreciate that. Um, well, yeah, and, and as you said, and, and, and I, I'm, I mean, we, we think it's great to have that game and it's a great thing for our fans. Our kids are excited and, and, you know, to be play, playing the national champion, defending national champions, yeah. um, at home, what, what a great thing to have on the schedule. Well, we're certainly looking forward to seeing how it all plays out for you guys. And obviously see conference play get going on January 3rd. But in the meantime, we always give our guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? A pleasure to visit with you, Dave, and appreciate what you do for D3 Hoops. 
Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck on Wednesday, certainly. But he obviously have Fontbonne ahead. I know the coaching is probably thinking about that just as much as the game against Whitewater. So good luck with that. Good luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll talk to you down the road. Very good. Thanks. Take care. Coach Giovanni joining us here on Hoopsville. Appreciate him taking the time to join us. Um, you know, interesting dichotomy there. You know, going to number one, but they lose her one of one of their key reservists at this point. Probably a, a starter down the road at some point in time. Now the team has to redefine themselves. Of course, you have Whitewater coming up on the tenth. That's a big game to say the least. We'll see how that all plays out for Augustana again. Thanks to Coach Giovanni joining us here on the show. Going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk to one of the hotter teams in Division Three, maybe um, off the radar team. I don't know. I think some people thought Ohio Wesley was going to have a good season, while others are a little surprised by the results. We'll see. We'll talk to Coach Mike DeWitt coming up here on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself you know, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show. It's December 4th, our third show of the season. Of course, if you want to count all the interviews we did at the Hoopsville Classic, you could say we've done four shows in the season. We'll have one more show next week on December 11th before we take a break. Just do the calendar, the way it all fill, uh, figures itself out. We'll take a break um, for the holidays. Of course, have more interviews at the Hoopsville Classic where we talk to every single coach that we come across. Uh, I should say not the Hoopsville Classic, but the D3Hoops.com Classic. We'll talk to all the coaches there. Um, before getting back underway with a regular uh, schedule of Hoopsville, uh, January 4th, which is a Saturday, um, uh, sorry, Sunday, and we'll go Sunday, Thursday, the rest of the season. If you have any questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can 
Um, Facebook us at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. Got to go back to our Hoopsville hotline, talk to one of the hotter teams in the country. They've already beaten two top 20 teams who are both top 10 teams at the time. Off to a 6-0 start. We're talking about the number 14 Ohio Wesleyan battling Bishops. And joining us on the Hoopsville hotline, their head coach, friend of the show, Mike DeWitt. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, absolutely. You can't start 6-0 and and defeat Worcester and defeat Calvin and not escape our radar. Are you kidding me? Well, that's that's. I'm glad we're on the radar finally. Um, oh, finally! You were at the Hoopsville <laughs> Classic last week, last year. Come on! Yeah, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been a good start to the season for us. Yeah. obviously. Uh, you like to downplay things. Uh, last year at the Hoopsville Classic, when we talked to you, you said, ah, "I don't even think we're the third best team in the in the league." Of course battling for the league last year um, with everybody else at the same time. But uh, you guys ended up finishing the season uh, third at 13-5, and five, uh, three games behind uh, Worcester, but tied with Wittenberg and DePaul, 20-8 uh, and eight on the season, um, and make the NCAA tournament, uh, from what I heard, rather surprisingly to you. Um, this year you're off to a 6-0 and start. You got a win over Calvin, and it wasn't even close at their place, 85-71. And then you defeat Worcester at their place by three. I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe you just want to play the rest of your games on the road. Yeah, well, we've only had one home game. We seem to be doing <laughs> fairly well with yeah. neutral court games and road games. Uh, we do have a big home game coming up Saturday, and I think our guys are, are looking forward to not having to get on a bus and, and, and traveling. But, uh, yeah, we've been we've been fortunate. We've been, I, I hate to use the word lucky, but um, we've played very well on the road against some really quality teams. I'm just really proud of my guys at this point. Yeah, I mean, the win over Kenyon, then the win over Alma, then Cal- Calvin, as we mentioned, Capital Defiance, Worcester in conference action, and then you'll face Denison on Saturday, as you point out, at home, before you then have Trine, Hiram, and Otterbein before taking a break for the holidays. Um, Otterbein is a non-conference game, obviously. Uh, then you'll double down on the Hope-Calvin uh, escapades by playing Hope on the on the third interesting scheduling coach you have a wide variety of games in there against some perennial powers and against some teams that are certainly up and comers uh what was the mentality this year well we've i we've always prided ourselves on playing as good of a schedule as possible we've we've played schools like wash U and rochester uh outside of our conference during my time here i feel like it tests us uh and gets us ready for for a tough conference schedule um, so going to Calvin, going to Hope, obviously uh, falls in within that category. Uh, we have a long-time rival in Capital that we play every single year. That's always kind of a dogfight. Those schools are only half an hour apart, and we're we're really happy to kind of re uh, start playing Otterbein again after a kind of a long drought of not playing them. And that's another school that's only 20 minutes from us. So we're hoping that can develop into a, a local rivalry for us again. Um, and even next year, we've uh, Coach Rose at, at Illinois Westland and I have uh, we're starting a home and home series next year. So wow. uh, we we're excited about that, and, and I just I feel it's good to challenge our teams. And obviously, very fortunate this year to go to Calvin and win already, and go to Capital and win, and, and then obviously with the Worcester game last night, we're we're playing 
you know, we're, we're, you know, I heard you your intro to us before I, I came on the air about we may have surprised some people, we, we may have not surprised some people. Uh, I can see both sides of that um, because I, I, I wasn't sure what we would be, but I also know we've kind of developed a little bit of a tradition here over the years, and, and our guys have really responded with some really good wins here early. Well, and of course, you know, you always like to downplay things, as I mentioned. And so even when I've talked to you, I've talked myself out of a vote sometimes. But, uh, I mean, 60 teams got votes in the top 25 preseason. I am quickly scanning to see if you got any. We did not. I don't see it. There's my answer. So you don't even get one in, in the preseason, and 60 teams got votes there. So I'll definitely say you're off the radar for many. Uh, even if people were thinking about it, they didn't put you in there. Then uh, week one poll, you jump in from no votes to 126 points and jump into 21st, and now you're sitting 14th. At this rate, you'll be the number one team by Monday. Um, and, and at this point, there's already been somebody on the D3 boards who's argued that maybe you guys should be the new number one team with the wins you had over Calvin and Worcester, especially if you get past Denison. So this begs the question from me, Maybe you see it coming. How good are you guys? Uh, and, and honestly, I wish I could answer that. I'm as confused <laughs> about our team as I think I'm confused about some of the results I've seen nationally. Um, yeah, well, you're not the I, only one. <laughs> yeah, I think, being very honest, I think not. I, I was surprised we didn't get any consideration in the preseason poll. Uh, having made the NCAA tournament the last three years, uh, being in the top of our conference for, for now nine or ten years. I was a little surprised we didn't get any consideration, but I can also see the other side of it is that we graduated three seniors yeah. uh, from from a team and, and you know, we're, would be typically in a rebuilding mode. So, uh, obviously, the win at Calvin uh, impressed some of the voters to the point where, where we jumped way up to number 21. Um, and then, you know, defeating, um, you know, and then we kept moving up the next week with a couple of good wins where we won at Capitol and beat a good defiance team who won 20 games last year. So, you know, we're at number 14. And, and again, I, I think early in the year we may have been underrated. Um, you're going to laugh and you're going to say I'm downplaying it. We may be a little <laughs> overrated right now. Um, but, but we keep winning. And, um, you know, our, our guys – you know, I, I think the, the student-athletes we have, they, they look at the polls and, and they understand that, that we're doing something pretty special right now. Um, but, again, it could all end Saturday as we have a good Denison team coming in here who's 5-1 and one and, and, and playing as good as they've played in a long time. And, you know, that's going to be a really difficult game for us. And so, again, uh, you know, we're hoping we did, we're not one of the upsets and questions that you're, you're talking about uh, on the show tonight. Uh, but, you know, it very well could happen. I, I, I think uh, we, we need to be really ready to go. But, um, you know, we're, we're just – we're like I'm, I'm – you know, after we beat Worcester last night, I'm riding home on the bus looking out the window, just kind of stunned that we're 6-0 and because we could – very easily, you know, be two and four or three and three if you mm -hmm. would have looked at our schedule in the preseason, given what we had coming back. So we've had some players step up, and uh, we feel very fortunate to be where we are. Um, two thoughts on the whole voting thing. One, I know there's a voter who knows you guys really, really well, and he didn't <laughs> even vote for you guys. So uh, clearly, you might think you're a surprise, but even the person I know who knows you well didn't vote for you. 
Uh, and the second thing is, if you're overrated, I'm just going to throw my number one vote to you guys and ride the wave then. Man, why not? Uh, please don't do that. That would put way too much pressure on a pretty young team. So uh, oh. let's, just keep, let's just keep flying under the radar here. And, oh, uh, you're not flying under the radar, Mike. Back. You're not on the radar anymore. You went from no votes to 21st to 14th. You're not under Like I said, you'll be in the top five at least probably by Monday. Um, but speaking of this team, you talk about the three seniors you lost. You only have one senior on this yeah. roster. I think if you, as a top 25 voter, I see three seniors go, and I see one senior on the squad, uh, that senior being Nick Fellhaber, who's, who's a good player, don't get me wrong, but when I see something like that, my first thought is, eh, okay, yeah, I don't know what to think of this team. You know, and, and I think that's probably where a lot of people are. Of course, Fellhaber's second on the team with 17.5 points a game. Claude Gray, 21.3 points a game early in this season. Uh, Nate Axelrod and Ben Simpson, both 14 and 12 points, respectively. Uh, you're getting contributions from other guys like Zach Davis and Joey Kinsley and stuff. But, you know, you have a young team in the sense that you only have that one senior in Fellhaber. Yeah, and then, again, quite honestly, young and inexperienced. Even some of the sophomores and juniors we're playing have had no experience going into this year. Um we, we did return our leading scorer in Claude Gray, who was the leading scorer on our team last year on a very well-balanced team. I think Claude averaged like 12 or 13 points a game on a team that averaged, you know, had a five guys averaging in double figures. And he's really, he's really stepped up his game, not just scoring-wise, but rebounding and being a playmaker to the point where he's, a, you know, I think, honestly, a first-team all-conference potential player of the year in our league all-region, all-American type player. I, I, I think once people see him play, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll realize that. And he, he had 33 points at Worcester last night, um, stepping up in a, in a big situation for us. And the rest of our guys are guys that have played roles for us over the years. Uh, Nick Fellhaber, who you mentioned, is, is one of the best shooters in Division Three. He had nine threes against Calvin, nine for 12, I think, from three in that game. Uh, and shooting something ridiculous. I don't know if you have our stats in front no, of you. No, I do. 64% from three. And he's That's ridiculous. A ton, of, ton of threes. It is ridiculous. And um, But he, he's a kid who's been injured for a couple years. Uh, you know, we kind of joke and call him Lance Armstrong because he's Ooh. been on the side of our practices riding a bike for two years. Okay, uh, that's a good we, reference. I would have gone yes. with somebody non-steroid related, just saying. No. Yeah, just going with <laughs> as, as famous a, a cyclist as I could think of. Oh, that's moment. good. So, I hear you. Uh, but Nick's been, he's overcome some injuries and is having a great senior year. We have a, and we're starting a freshman point guard named mm. Nate Axelrod, who is a, uh, an incredible surprise for us and they've done a great job uh, running the point. Um, you know, and, and, you know, a couple other guys, Matt Jeske and Ben Simpson, that, you know, gone from playing only a few minutes a game to starting and, and stepped up and done a great job. And the guys we're bringing in off the bench have had very little, if any, playing experience coming into the year. So we just had some guys kind of step up and kind of, you know, have some pride in continuing, you know, kind of our recent tradition. And it's been, it's been good to see. Um, and, and as young as we are, you know, going into the year, I you know, may have been looking at this as kind of a two-year project and hoping we'd be good, you know, next year and, and toward the end of next year. But we've kind of accelerated that a little bit. Yeah, cat's out of the bag, as it were. You're talking about Nick Fellhalber, 29 of 45 from beyond the arc, 644. He's 33 of 51 for um, the floor at 647. 
Uh, not too bad. And you mentioned Nate Axelrod's 5.8 assists a game so far. Uh, and pretty much you played 10 guys in every single game, um, which shows you're, you're certainly not afraid to go deep on your, your bench either. Yeah, and that's been a, a trademark of, of what we've done here over the years is, is going 9 to 10 deep. And, and we try to develop that depth uh, during our preseason portion of our schedule uh, in order to get ready for, for a conference schedule. Um, and and, and well, I'd like to think that pays off and the fact that we're not worn down at the end of the year and we're rotating a lot of guys in and, and so on. So, you know, that, that's been a kind of a trademark of, of what we've done here is to try to develop that depth early in the year. Talk about the conference schedule. Obviously, the win over Worcester to start. Denison coming up on Saturday. Um, then you got Hiram on the 13th before you get back into the meat of things on January 7th uh, with Wittenberg. But I got to ask this NCAC, I mean, this has been an interesting conference to say the least over the years. Um, and right now it's interesting. I mean, Worcester certainly garnering playing attention. Now, DePaul garnering attention after missing out on the NCAA tournament last year. Wittenberg is the polar opposite at 1 and 5 right now. Just not what I think many expected. Wittenberg, by the way, got top 25 love in the preseason. Mike, mm-hmm. just, Wittenberg, <laughs> just wanted to rub that in. Um, Thanks. I didn't, I didn't do it, though. Um, well, I, honestly, but, Dave, I think, I think that's the hard part of voting in the, in the Division Three poll is that people from outside the region don't necessarily know yeah. what's going on. And so it's just a hard thing to vote nationally and, and, and something that's kind of regional in nature. Um, and that's where the, the voters in the poll have a really, really hard time. And Whitberg, you know, it was in the same situation as us, graduating a lot of starters, yeah. having having some young, good young players who are just inexperienced. And, you know, that could have gone the opposite way. Like Wittenberg, you know, very easily could be 6-0. Oh, could absolutely. Be you just don't know, yeah. uh, you know, what's going to happen. But what did we make of this conference? I mean, uh, Denison in the mix, Wabash in the mix. Um, DePaul, certainly, except for a conference play, you know, four and one now. Mm-hmm. Worcester, obviously, right there in there. Uh, Oberlin's got that win over Wittenberg, which certainly gave some people some pause. Mm-hmm. What is this NCAC going to be? Is it going to be like last year where literally we're coming down to the end going, we don't know who's going to win the conference? I think it will be. Um, and, and that's been our conference here the last three or four years yeah. the the teams that have traditionally finished in the bottom half of the league are now better to the point where they're winning some non-conference games uh, and able to upset some teams that traditionally finish in the top half of our conference i mean i i think it still begins and ends with worcester in our conference i mean they've they've won the championship regular season tournament for who knows how long you still got some very good teams behind them and then depaul and ohio westland and, and Wittenberg traditionally, uh, Wabash has a good new coach in Kyle Broman who came from Defiance. They're going to get better. Defiance, uh, Denison is 5-1, and one, as we talked about, and has one of the best coaches in the league, and, and Bob Galoni, and, and they keep getting better. And then you talk about teams like you know Kenyon, uh, Oberlin, you talked about with their wins. Allegheny has a winning non-conference record. Um, and then Hiram, I think, is something like 5-1. and one. And so... You've, you've, it is not an easy conference. I mean, it's a, it's a strong conference top to bottom at this point, which it may not have been five or six years ago. Um, and so anything can happen. I mean, I think that was proven last night when Wabash went to Wittenberg and won, and we went to Worcester and won. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be uh, 
you know, maybe a little different, and maybe this is the, the year that, that Worcester doesn't win it, although I think you have to put your money on them uh, because I think the road to the championship goes, does go through Worcester. That's fascinating. It's going to – it's – it's interesting to say the least. Uh, and obviously, uh, you you got Worcester past you. You have one more with them, and of course, it's going to be at home. So that's that's key for mm-hmm. you. So winning yeah. on the road was big. And of course, you mentioned Denison at home, um, and team off to a six and zero start. Um, can you keep the guys grounded in any way, or is this you just got to ride it and let the guys enjoy it? We. It's funny, uh, and this may be a little non-traditional, but. I want to let our guys kind of enjoy this um, because it, it is so unexpected. And, and if we're going to, you know, achieve championships and, and win those kind of games, I think our guys need to, you know, kind of embrace, you know, having a target on our back and, you know, kind of enjoy the wins that we do get. And so, you know, we told our guys in the locker room, you know, after we beat Worcester last night, enjoy it. It's a great win, but let's kind of get down to business once we, you know, once we start preparing for tennis. And, um, and it's something young, I think young men and women have to go through is learning how to handle success too. And, and, and we try to teach our guys how to, how to handle success. And then part of that is just kind of respecting every opponent and getting ready to play every game. And, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see if our guys are buying into that on Saturday with a, with a good Dennis and team coming in here. Well, congratulations on the start for sure. Like I said, uh, at least top five, maybe number one next week. It's just my guess. If you keep winning, I mean, the way you guys are going sky high here, it's got to happen. Um, uh, let's not get uh, if, <laughs> if, if, and it's a huge if, if we beat Denison, we'll just be happy where we're at. Sure. Yeah, no, I know. I just couldn't resist giving you the hard time. Uh, again, uh, coming up uh, with Denison on Saturday in conference play. As always, we give the coach, as you know, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, first of all, uh, as everybody does, and rightly so, thank you for all you do, not just for Division Three basketball, but Division Three athletics in general. And I know some of these guys are listening. I want to give a shout-out to our men's soccer team who are preparing to uh, play in the national semifinals uh, uh, tomorrow in Kansas City yep. against Tufts. Uh, they're a traditionally great program, and, and I'm really supportive of us, and we just want to wish them the best of luck. Well, definitely. It's great to see them in the Final Four as well. So no pressure. You just have to repeat the, what their performance is. So we'll see you in Salem in March. Is that what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm there every year. I, will, <laughs> I know. We'll, uh, see, we'll you. see you. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll see the team. I, I, my team will probably be on spring break, but I'll definitely be there. <laughs> oh, there's, there's some locker fodder for you. Uh, well, Coach, thanks so much. Terrific. I uh, appreciate you joining me, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. All right, take care. Okay. Mike DeWitt joining us here on Hoops, so appreciate him taking the time to do so. And with that, we have wrapped up two hours of the show. I want to thank all of our guests for being on the show with us. Piedmont's Greg Neely, St. Mary's, Minnesota's Mandy Pearson, Amherst's G.P. Gromacki, Augustana's Gray Giovanni, and, of course, we just got done talking to Ohio Wesleyan's Mike DeWitt. Appreciate it. Mike coming on. Of course, Dennison, as we mentioned, for them coming up, trying then Hiram to wrap up, uh, and then Otterbein, I should say, to wrap up the 2014 part of their schedule, and then they'll take on Hope in 2015. Certainly an interesting top 25. So I would, I, I'm not even going to be able to garner an idea of who gets a number one vote next week. Obviously, we have to get some weekend play here. Augustana has 17 first-place votes. I think if people start figuring out maybe some of the injuries that they've taken, they're going to lose a chunk of those. Does that mean Amherst gets number one? 
Uh, they're number. They're in second place with four first place votes right now. Whitewater's in third with four first place votes. Uh, if you remember last week, um, Amherst was also number two. Uh, Augustana was number one, um, and then Whitewater was number three. And of course, in the preseason, it was uh, Whitewater, then Amherst, then Augustana. So Augustana leapfrog Amherst. So I wouldn't say just because Amherst is sitting there, they're automatically going to be the number one team in the country. That being said, you never know. Um, Whitewaters could get back some votes. Um, Wash U could pick up some. They're sitting fourth. St. Thomas is fifth. Emory won't stay at sixth. Virginia Wesleyan won't stay at seventh. Richard Stockton lurking at eighth. Illinois Wesleyan lurking at ninth. Worcester will fall from 10. MIT will fall from 11. Dickinson probably will hold tight. WPI might move up. Ohio Wesleyan will certainly move up with their win over Worcester as long as they beat um, uh, Denison. And, of course, center is surprisingly up to 15th. And I'm not saying anything not against center, but I think this shows you how much questions there are in the top 25 for voters. And I'm looking for my ballot. My ballot, for example, I have Augustana 1, Whitewater 2, St. Thomas 3, Amherst 4, WPI 5. I have DePaul 6, probably way too high. I freely admit that. Chicago 7, Virginia Wesleyan 8, MIT 9, Wash U 10, Worcester 11, Randolph-Macon 12, Richard Stockton 13, Albertus Magnus, then Babson. And Babson right now, uh, not even in the top 25. Um, but I am 15. I have Illinois Wesleyan 16, Emory 17, Ohio Wesleyan 18, Scranton, then Calvin, Claremont, Dickinson, Eastern Connecticut, Stevenson, Cabrini. It's all over the place, and, and, and I'm not the only one. I mean, look at how many teams are getting votes. Uh, we'll tell you a lot about what's going on in the top 25. Um, so certainly worth watching and seeing how it goes. On the women's side, though, things pretty held tight right now. FDU, Florham, Amherst, Thomas Moore, Tufts, WashU. Uh, don't see a lot of movement there. Scranton moved up to six. That's because the sixth-place team, Hope, lost and fell to 14th. So on the men's side, a lot of turmoil. Not trying, really don't understand who's there uh, and who are the top teams as of yet. Maybe by a week from tonight when we're talking again, we'll get a little bit better idea of what's going on. <laughs> but I'm not holding my breath. Um, I think we're going to be having lots of questions throughout the rest of the season. That's going to do it for the show. As I mentioned, I want to thank again all of our guests, Piedmont's Greg Neely, St. Mary's Minnesota's Mandy Pearson, Amherst's GP Gromacki, Augustana's Gray Giovanni, and Ohio Wesleyan's Mike DeWitt. Appreciate them coming on the show. We'll be back on the show next week again, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, if you have any ideas of who you'd like us to talk to, um, make sure you tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. That's how you can get a hold of us anytime. We'll then take a break after the 11th for the Christmas holiday. We'll be uh, doing some vignettes uh, in uh, Vegas at the Hoopsville, uh, the D3 Hoops Classic, I should say. Uh, and then we'll be back on the air January 4th once we're back from Vegas. Uh, that should do it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Certainly appreciate it. Don't forget the YD3 show has also, the November edition came out yesterday, a few days late. We apologize, but it, it has come out. So don't forget to tune in and, and check that out. Go check it out at d3sports.com slash yd3show. We're certainly proud of it, and we want, hope you will enjoy it as well. And once again, thanks to our guests. Thanks to the support from d3sports.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches as well. We'll be on a break until next Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, stay with us on Twitter, Facebook, and email to find out what we're doing as we move along. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Broadcasters. 
our National Association of Basketball Coaches. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody.